Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Open for Business here on NLive Radio 106.9 FM. It's Simon Cox here. For the next two hours, I've got some great music lined up for you, but I've also got some great guests, and ultimately, that's what it's about on the Open for Business show. So, delighted to be here once again. It's the last Tuesday of the month. Of course, I sit in on that last Tuesday of the month for Adrian Price, as we know, has done a great job with leading this radio show, and I'm delighted to be able to support it for Adrian as well. So, Anyway, let's get down to some music. Let's kick off the show. Let's really get you in the mood tonight as well. Be back after this. I got a feeling that tonight's gonna be a good night. That tonight's gonna be a good night. That tonight's gonna be a good, good night. Party every day, party every day, and I'm feeling 
That's the Black Eyed Peas here opening the show tonight on N Live Radio 106.9 FM. And what a great way to open the show that was. And uh, I've got a feeling tonight's going to be a good night. Do you know what? I don't think it's going to be a good night at all. I think it's going to be a great night. And that's because I've got some fantastic guests lined up tonight. Talking to you all about what they know, sharing their stories, sharing their knowledge with us. And it's going to be one hell of a show, I can tell you. So my first guest is with me. He's a successful entrepreneur. He's a business coach, a business mentor, and has got a real inspirational business journey. And that is, I'm delighted to welcome to the show, Palm Bangal. Thank you, Simon. Um, and thanks for having me on. Um, so, yeah, Palm Bangal. My background is construction. I graduated um, from an apprenticeship in quantity surveying, um, what seems like a very, very long time ago. I've been a decade and a half in construction. Uh, set up my first business, which was Bengals Construction Consultants, in 2010. So it's been 14 years this year. Um, since then, I've amalgamated um, a few different businesses, seven different businesses, Majority of them in construction consultancy, but I've actually delved out of um, construction in the last few years as well, you know, across across our multi-million pound turnover array of businesses. We employ around 100 staff. Um, and, yeah, we were just always driving for, for more and uh, and driving to be better, really, always looking to, to, to get better and, and, and push the businesses forward and, and make more efficiencies, recruit more people and keep everyone happy, which isn't always possible, but we do our best. And now you know why I mentioned the word entrepreneur as well as, you know, kind of what you do in the intro, because at the end of the day, there's a lot going on. And I think it's fantastic what you're doing. I think it's absolutely brilliant for for, for yourselves, for, for the people that, that you employ, but also, you know, have, having someone like yourself in the county is absolutely amazing. So, you know, well done on what you've achieved so far. I'm sure there'll be plenty more to come, you know, come in the future as well as we... Uh, we all follow the journey of, of, of what you're on as well. But um, let's talk about the construction business first of all. Um, you started out, was it 14 years ago, you say? Yeah, 2010. Yeah. What was it like when you first set up? How did you find it when you um, first took that step into into launching the business? So it was a hard it was a hard time because construction was actually still just coming out of that previous 2008 recession. So it was kind of just repairing itself. And I left a quantity surveying job um, at the point because I was I was very unhappy with the, the role. I was very unhappy with how people within the workforce were treated. Um, and I felt as if there was something missing um, in the construction industry. I felt as if we could offer something which was slightly different to what everyone else was offering, especially with the expertise I'd built up over my five or six years in the industry previous to that. Um, so it was a tough start. Um, it was a really tough start because it was a cold start. It was a, a cold start from nothing. You know, uh, when I started my business, we had no clients. I had no marketing. I had no website. It was just me and my telephone and let's see what we do with this um, with this so-called business and when i look back at calling it a business in 2010 it wasn't really a business it was me and my mobile phone um just doing my best to wing it and see how we were going to get on um and here we are 14 years on um entirely different business now we can actually call it a business 
Well, it's certainly been a you know a journey that you've been on, and um, you know to go from a mobile phone to where you are today, you know you've got to take a lot of uh, a lot of praise and a lot of credit for that because. Uh, Wow, what a journey. And, uh, you know, I've seen bits that you've, you've pushed out on your social media, been following the progress of where you've been through, um, through the awards and everything that you've been to as well, because, um, I think you were around the SME Business Awards a couple of years ago. And, you know, I think you've, you've won a few awards with what you've done as well. So well done. I think it's great to actually have this time with you to actually talk through this. And, um, the, the awards, let's touch on that briefly. I mean, obviously some people don't like talking about their own success, but I'm going to ask you straight away. What was it like when you picked up those awards on your, on your journey? Um, awards is an interesting one. I remember my first awards that I went to, which was Young Business Person of the Year 2017. Um, and it was my PR company that were like, you've got an amazing business here. Um, you've had amazing su- success for, for your age. We really think you should go for this. And I was a bit like, and it's a bit like what I still am today. I'm I don't really look at my success. I, I, I'm always looking forward, like, what's next? Um, and, and then I was like, right, okay, let, let's just do it. Let's see what happens. And I went to the award ceremony with, with I was like, look, we're here. We're going to have fun. We have some food and some drinks and had my whole team there, my parents there, my wife there. And I was like, look, whatever happens, we're just going to have a fun evening. Um, and when my name got called out, I was like, What? I was actually confused. And that was the first awards that I'd ever been to. And off the back of that, I think we had recorded it and we got a snippet of when my name got called out and we we packaged it up and we put it out on LinkedIn. And that video got 25,000 plus views. Um, And I was like, okay, maybe we need to do this a little bit more often. Um, So... I think awards is one of them things, you know, we come back from any awards. We won 13 awards It's in the last few years, probably in the last four or five years, um, across various different categories, entrepreneurial ones, business growth ones, um, employer of the year. We've, we've won a, a lot of awards. And I think for me, the awards are never about my me personally, I try not to ever make them about me personally. You know, I've got an amazing team um, and I'm surrounded by a lot of very intelligent, um, highly motivated, very driven individuals that work alongside me to make what we have today, which is a, 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 an array of very successful businesses. So our awards, although my, my name might be on some of them, um, are about the team and the collective hard work that we do together. And, you know, it's a nice accolade to have, but we always come back from an award ceremony and we always have a debrief in the morning. It's like, smashed it last night, done really well. How do we get better? Um, we have, you know, I have two two meetings every week, a Monday morning with our estimating director and a Tuesday morning with our ops director. Um, and that meeting is always about, right, what we're making better, how are we going to get better, how do we make marginal improvements. And I think that's why we, we, we're award-winning. Um, and that's why I think our clients love working with us, because we try not to go stale. You know, okay, we've probably got some of the best templates in the market when it comes to construction consultancy, but people are going to catch us. People are going to see our templates and improve theirs. So what do we do? 
Now, we've just got to keep getting better. It doesn't even matter if it's a 1% marginal gain on what we had before. Let's just make it that little bit better. So I think our success in, in, in awards has been just because of the fact we're always pushing for more. We're always pushing. And I don't mean pushing for more as in revenue. Revenue is great, but we're always pushing for more, better client relationships, better, better product, better service lines, you know, improve the team, improve what people can do, bring them up the ranks. That's what we're always looking to do. And that's great because that's continual progress. It's continual investing in the business, isn't it? Rather than, you know, financially investing that people think about it's investing the time, the resources, the ideas, the creation. And I think you're right. You know, businesses need to evolve more. And, you know, I was at um, a startup show down in London recently and uh, I was hearing Rob Pierre talking and he was saying very similar sort of things around. And uh, if you're not familiar with Rob Pierre, wow, what a guy this is. So, you know, he, he grew jellyfish from, from nothing. I think it was over 18 years to, and sold it for, for millions. And, you know, absolutely tremendous entrepreneur. And, um, he, his message as well was around, you know, continually reinvesting in, uh, reinvesting in the business with ideas. And, and I think there's books as well around this that people have written business books around how to make the boat go faster or row the boat harder or something. I can't remember the exact title, but to hear that you've actually continued, you know, continue putting that back into the business is, is, is great. And that's probably where your success is, is going for on that, on that trajectory as well, isn't it? So, so I suppose you as an individual, what actually drives you as an individual, Palm? What would you say is your real, you know, gets up and what drives Palm? I think this is an interesting thing. Whenever I'm coaching or mentoring anyone, and, and that's not just paid coaching and mentoring. A lot of my team within our business get coached off me, get mentored off me. My big thing is always have a why, and your why can't be money. Um, and, and that's my big thing, Let, you know. Yes, we can all talk about money and we can talk about success financially, but your why has to be more than money because there comes a point where money won't get you out of bed. Um, the, the why has to be something strong enough that when your days are really bad and when, thing, when you're really struggling, you think about your why and it actually gets you out of bed. Um, my why has changed over the years, and, and that's very normal. Um, why's do change when i was when i was first started my business my why was just to have a phenomenal business that i could be proud of saying that i built um and then i got married and i had kids and now my why is all surrounded right around my children you know i want my girls to look in and go daddy works really hard um, and he's always looking to get better, and he never gives up. Um, because it's very easy to say that. It's very, very easy to say that. But actually doing it and being a living example of that is entirely different. And I want to be a living example of, we have bad days, get up, go again, try harder. You will lose. You know, you will make mistakes. I make mistakes. I talk to them about my mistakes. And I'll go, wasn't a good day today. We made these mistakes, but it's okay. We're going to get up and we're going to go again. So for me, my why is my children. I want to show them that, you know, you're going to have bad days. You're going to have days where you don't feel like doing it. You're going to have failures, but you've got to get up. You've got to get better and you've got to keep going. And so my why is really around being a great example to my kids. 
Yeah, brilliant. And what a fantastic why that is. And um, I was talking to Millie Five. I don't know if you're familiar with Millie at all, but so, you know, she's a, an entrepreneur in, in, in uh, Northamptonshire and uh, great having Millie involved with what we do as well. And um, she was saying a very similar thing about the, the entrepreneurial iceberg. Now, we've all seen this iceberg, haven't we? Where it shows success at the top and everything that goes on underneath and all the, the bits that people don't necessarily see, all the challenges, all those heartaches, all those frustrations that we've all had in, in what we've all done. And, um, you know, touching on some of those, what sort of challenges have you faced that you've sort of had to overcome that you've actually sort of thought, wow, how am I actually going to get over this? You know, these big, big challenges that you face. You know, there's challenges every day, but, you know, recruitment is a massive challenge. Keeping people happy is a is a massive challenge. Now, the one thing that I think has been really is really tough is that sometimes you're doing your best for people, but what you're doing is making, in their eyes, making their life hard because you're giving them stuff that's really difficult to do. When you're giving people stuff that takes them out of their comfort zone, they don't necessarily like you. Yeah, so you don't become that likable person. But what I, what I think you try and educate people on is that you're not necessarily going to like me for doing this, but I can promise you by the time you get out the back of this, you're going to be an entirely different person. So I'm challenging you to make you better. Um, and not everyone understands that. And, you know, the people that do um, and the people that have, have been in our organisations for many, many years and who have really grasped that know that whenever I ask them to do anything that's really tough, sink yourself into it because when you come out the back of it, it's going to be great. And if you fail, it's fine because I'll catch you. Now, the problem with being a business owner is that everyone always seems to think, especially newer people within an organization, if you give them stuff to do that they don't want to do, they automatically assume it's because you don't want to do it rather than I'm trying to teach you how to do something here and give you a skill. And I always try to say to people, don't worry. If, if if you get it wrong or you need some advice, I'm always here to catch you. And the tough bit about being a business owner and an entrepreneur is you don't have anyone there to catch you when you're making their mistakes. So I've made mistakes, you know, and, and I've been taught some very valuable lessons over the last decade and a half of making them mistakes. But you can't let them mistakes define you. A lot of people let mistakes and let errors within the business define them. You can't, you can't necessarily let any mistake define you. You have to let that mistake be a pedestal to make you better. Like, how do I get better from this? So challenges within the business, the biggest challenge, and I think I've spoken to hundreds and hundreds of entrepreneurs and business owners is, is that challenge of people management of people people are inevitably the one resource you need to be able to grow any business and have any successful business because you can't have a hugely successful people without having amazing teams and amazing people inevitably people are always going to let you down and i've been let down in the past you know i've I've had people steal data off us. I've had people steal templates off us. I've had people try and steal clients off us after leaving. You're always going to get stabbed in the back. But 
you can't do anything about that. You know, you meet a massive wide variety of people whilst you're in any business and you have to learn to live with the fact that these things are going to happen um, and you have to learn from them. You have to make your processes better so they don't happen in the future and you can't let them define you. You you have to grow out. You have to outgrow that position and you have to grow through these these tough times. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned about the learnings because uh, you're right. I mean, entrepreneurship is, is a pass rate of 1%, I think, isn't it? You, you fail and you get up and learn the next day. And that's why I was really keen to speak to you because obviously when I heard you speak in the, the, um, the Vulcan Works event the other week and uh, hearing what you were saying to those businesses that were starting out with the Vulcan Creatives and starting their journey – there was some real valuable advice coming at them there and then from yourself. And I thought, look, we've got to have a chat about what, what, what it is you're doing. And you're now putting a lot of your learnings into people through the business and mentoring, aren't you, through the, um, the that one-to-one support that you're now giving? I think it's really important. Like, I got asked to speak at Vulcan, um, and Vulcan wanted me to speak on my success. Now, that's great. I, I, I don't mind people talking to people about my success, but I'd much rather – people know that, look, yes, I may be successful in some people's eyes. I may not be successful in other people's eyes. But one, you measure your own success. That's down to you. What do you define as successful? You can't let other people be like, well, no, you're not successful. Because if you feel successful and you feel financially free, that's enough. You don't need to put yourself on a pedestal or try and put yourself in a position where you come down the ranks because someone else is telling you that. And whenever I, I speak in an event like this, I think it's always important to encourage people that the journey is going to be tough, but you can do it. Stay focused, have a good why, and stay on your own path. I always say to people, stay in your own lane because there's so much information out there in the world. You know, I do this thing on Instagram where I – kind of look at people's videos and I comment on them and some of the information out there like I watched a video last week and it said if you're not earning 350 grand a month then you're a nobody like that for me is unbelievable I can't even believe that someone's saying that on the internet because that just makes people feel as if they're they're a nobody you'd listen to that and even if you had a hugely successful business you'd look at that and think well I'm not earning 350 grand a month I don't earn 350 grand a month but people would look at me and think, Palm's hugely successful. And I just think that the information that you're given online sometimes is so far adrift from making any sense. And you don't know what to believe and what not to believe. I think the importance of going out and speaking in front of people is about encouraging them to go take the step, do the best you can, get your learnings. You're going to make mistakes. You're not a failure. Set your own goals and set your own expectations and live by them. Cancel the noise out. Yeah, fantastic words there as well. And, and uh, you know, that's why, you know, I heard you speaking on the day and I think there's some real valuable advice and, and information coming to people here. And hopefully they took it away with them. You know, we certainly picked up a couple of vibes of what you were saying as well. And I'm thinking, well, this is, these are real words of wisdom here. And, uh, I think um, I think for many people, I think the the word failure they're concerned about. They don't like to fail. No one likes to fail. Do you know what? I love to fail. I think it's the only way I learn. You know, I don't read from textbooks or learn from textbooks. I don't 
sit on university courses. It's not for me. I just want to go and do. So failure is a big thing. And I think, um, you know, more people that can learn to fail, I think that's how you learn quicker, don't you? When, when you do get in those situations. And, uh, yeah, I think, um, yeah, we've all been there, haven't we? We've all been there. You have to get comfortable with it. Ultimately, if you want to be successful, and no matter what success looks like for you, ultimately, you're, everyone's going to have an unhappy client. Everyone's going to have people within their business that are unhappy. But you can't be defined by the unhappiness. You know, I I had a client in here um, in, in my office last week. Um, he's actually became a, ve- a very good friend of mine in the last 12 or 13 years. And last year, we... We made a mistake on one of his jobs and he came back to me. He rang me personally, he didn't ring the office. And um, he luckily found the mistake before the job had gone live. Um, and we had to put a process into place to, to fix that one particular mistake. But had I not had that fantastic relationship with him, he would have never come to me personally. So I think you know, business is about relationships and mistakes are going to happen. If you allow the same mistake to happen over and over and over and over and again, over again, then that's on you. You know, that's you inflicting pain on yourself. If a mistake happens, you put a process in place to fix it and make sure it never happens again, then you will continually get better and better. So I see it. I see it in, in the market. I see it in the industry, people making the same mistake over and over again and, you know, I've I've had people before say, "Oh, recruitment recruitment's not working for me. I can't find the right people." Really, you can't find the right people, or your training's not right. No, well, I bring them in. They tell me they can do this, this, and this, but they can't do it. Well, no, they probably can do this, this, and this, but they can't do this, this, and this the way you want them to do it. But have you taken the time out to explain that to them? probably not as as well as I should have. Well, then that's the problem. The problem ain't the person, and the problem isn't what they're capable of. The problem is that the person's fine, their capabilities are there, but what you're expecting of them, they don't understand how to put the two pieces of a puzzle together. So the, the piece that's lacking is your bit of your training that you need to give them to bring them to where they want to be. Ultimately, people don't want to disappoint you either. They don't want to go home in the evening feeling like they've done a rubbish job. You know, people want to feel like they've done a good job. They want to feel a sense of achievement themselves. So if you give them the tools to be able to do that, ultimately they want to be successful and they want to do their job as best as they can. And I think it's all about that improvement and why are we failing? Why Why are people constantly leaving if they're, constantly leaving why have we got a constantly revolving door you know find out what the problems are find out what the failures are and fix them yeah brilliant again some words of advice there for for anyone that's on the business journey and um you know is wanting to grow and and you're now in that position we're actually helping people to grow aren't you through the mentoring and coaching that you're doing um Talk to me a little bit about what the offering looks like to people that are looking to to maybe you know work with a coach or a mentor such as yourself so I do a, quite a, an array of things. I put a lot of um, business content out there on my Instagram, on YouTube, little business tips. I have I run daily training programs. Um, that's mainly for 
my construction clients, so construction business owners that want to improve their sales process, their leads, they want to improve their estimating process and have a more profitable construction business that's based on systems and processes. So I help a lot of people within my brands of angles and my broad estimate to, to grow more successful construction and development businesses by putting the right systems and processes in place. And then I coach people one-to-one, um, and that can be from any sector. I've got um, people from various sectors um, that I coach one-to-one. And what I tend to do in my coaching program is – the first thing you do is, is effectively fill out a two-page form. We look at what you want as your quick wins, what you feel like you're really good at, what you feel like you're not so good at, and we help you improve on what you're not so good at, get your quick wins, and look at actually how you take your business from where it is now to where it's going to be. So we help you set out systems in setting goals, one, three, five, ten years, what's your exit strategy, you know, because a lot of people don't have that. I didn't have that when I when I first set up a business. You know, when when I first set up a business, I didn't think about my exit. But now I think about an exit in every business. You know, what is my exit? How do I want to build this business? What does a client base look like? What does the, the second tier management team look like? What does our systems and processes look like? So if someone wants to come and say, Palm, I want to buy your business, they're buying a the business. So we help people get to a position where they're hitting their goal. They might want to be in a position, I've got a client that actually wants to hand their, their business down to, to the next generation, to, to their kids. Okay, how does that look? What are their skills? What pieces do they need to slot in to? What other, what other expertise do they need to bring in? So it's all about working with an individual on their personal goals within their business and helping them to get to whatever position they might want to be. And that could be financial freedom. That could be freedom from their business so that they've got a business that runs without them. Um, it could be business growth, could be improvement of marketing, you know, and it could it could be anything. It's just about really defining what that person wants to work on, what direction they want to go in. And sometimes they don't know what direction they want to go in. It's helping them find that direction and exploring the different options that might be available. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, if people want to find out more information about you know that service on the on the coaching and mentoring, you say you're able to work with different different um, companies and and startup businesses, maybe in in different sectors and things. Where can they find out more information on that? So you can just Google me, Palm Bangle. I've got my website www.palmbangle.co.uk. Um, I've got my Instagram, LinkedIn. I think I'm on every single social media platform available. But if you Google me. Um, it's highly likely that majority of my my companies will come up and you can just contact me via my website. Um, my website has a contact us page and, and feel free to reach out. Even if you're just looking for some advice or some, some tips on things, I'm always happy to help people and, and offer whatever little words of wisdom I can do. Um, I think in business, there's, there's very few people that are willing to help. Um, and I do my best to just, you know, be, Someone to lean on, a support, you know, when when something isn't got quite going right. And sometimes it just takes a one-minute conversation to perk someone back up and send them on their way. And they're like, actually, you know what, I can do this. So I, I just like to try and be that person. And those words of advice and those little nuggets of information can be so valuable to people. So well done on that. And uh, yeah, thank you for sharing that with us. 
Uh, listen, Palm, we're coming towards the end now, but if people want to get uh, in contact with you, they want to understand more about what you do, what's the best way that they can actually contact you? Is it via your website? Uh, yeah, www.palmbangle.co.uk um, and, and just reach out via the contact page. Well, Palm, thank you for joining me. It's great to have you here on NLive Radio, of course, 106.9 FM. I'm getting used to saying that as well as I'm hosting this show for Adrian as well. But listen, thanks once again for joining us and uh, yeah, keep up the good work and uh, we'll be back after this. NLive's Community Notice Board, sponsored by Voluntary Impact Northamptonshire, supporting existing and helping to launch good neighbour schemes across Northampton. Looking for some good news or do you have some to share about Northampton? The Happy Hood is Northampton's only good news scene. Celebrate all that's great in our town and enjoy inspiring stories and beautiful artwork. It really is the perfect antidote to mainstream media. Published quarterly and created by an army of volunteers, The Happy Hood is sold online and in local independent businesses for only £2.50 per issue. To find out how you can get involved with this community project, visit thehappyhood.com or find them on socials at The Happy Hood. NLive's Community Notice Board, sponsored by Voluntary Impact Northamptonshire, supporting existing and helping to launch good neighbour schemes across Northampton. To get your message on air, email noticeboard at nliveradio.com. 106.9 NLive. When your business teams up with Unitemps, you get access to some of the top graduates the University of Northampton has to offer. High-caliber staff right here on your doorstep. Unitemps is committed to finding you the right candidates for the positions you've got available, making filling full or part-time or even temporary jobs simple, whilst ensuring you've a talent pool for the future. Unitemps Northampton sees tomorrow's leaders today. Visit unitemps.co.uk and click Northampton. It's here. The latest edition of NN Pulse magazine is out now. So if you want to know what's happening in and around Northamptonshire, pick up a copy today. Packed full of local news, reviews, articles, places to go, style, tradespeople and more. NN Pulse magazine is your glossy guide to life round here. Pick up a copy and you won't want to put it down. Keep an eye out for it coming through your door or get it from outlets across the county. NN Pulse, the magazine at the heart of Northamptonshire. To advertise your business in NN Pulse, click pulsemagazine.co.uk. When business owners, directors and key decision makers want to know what's happening in Northamptonshire, they turn to Business Times. Over 10,000 copies are delivered every month and the pages are filled with positive local business stories. Respected, trusted and always relevant. Business Times is the perfect way to get your business in front of the people that matter. So get Business Times working for you. Click business-times.co.uk Business Times. Positive about business in North Hands. At NNBN, we support local businesses, charities and organisations. We bring local people together. We promote growth and success and we support our members. NNBN has a proven track record in helping members of our community get seen and be heard. It costs from just £20 a month to become a member and you'll benefit from advertising, events, engagement, support and money-saving discounts. If you're a local business, charity or organisation, join us today at nnbn.co.uk. Connecting Northampton, N Live. Like us on Facebook. And I give up forever to touch you. 
Cause I know that you feel me somehow You're the closest to heaven that I'll ever be And I don't wanna go home right now And all I can taste is this moment And all I can breathe is your life Don't wanna miss you tonight And I don't want the world to see me Cause I don't think that they'd understand When everything's made to be broken I just want you to know Tears that ain't coming All the moment of truth in your lies When everything feels like the movies Yeah, you bleed just to know you're alive And I don't want the world to see me Cause I don't think they'd understand When everything's made to be
so my second guest this evening on N Live Radio is Millie Fife, who's come to join me and talk to me all about what she gets up to. And I'm really excited about this conversation. But uh, Millie, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Simon. Thanks for having me on. No, absolute pleasure as always. And uh, it's great that we can sit and have this conversation. And, you know, we've got you out on air tonight on here on NLive Radio. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about your podcast, talk about a little bit about farming and talk a little bit about what you're up to now. But do you want to give us an introduction to you, know, you what you do and, uh, you know, what we're going to be uh, heading towards tonight? Yeah, absolutely. So I live here in Yelvertoft with my husband, Andrew. Um, predominantly, we're farmers. Uh, so we're beef, sheep and arable farmers. Um, I also have a few pigs, chickens and a kitchen garden. And uh, I get my two children who are five and six involved in all that farm life brings with it. Uh, but I'm also a blogger. I'm a podcaster and I have a social enterprise or a community interest company called No Fuss Meals Busy Parents. So life is very full and very rewarding and uh, probably through this interview your listeners will realize how passionate I am about the feed and farming industry not only on a local level but also from a kind of trying to shape policy make a difference connect consumers with UK food production um, and then turning that into um, recipe ideas and mealtime suggestions so when people say buy British back British farming I'm the why. I'm the one that's giving the value, basically, um, because there are a lot of campaign organisations that are brilliant in kind of shouting loud. But I think from from when, when you're sort of looking on the flip side of the coin is actually, well, why, why should people care? Um, and so I really help with that. Brilliant. And, uh, you know, since I've got to know you as well, I've seen a lot of the work that you have done and it's very, very impressive. So firstly, well done on actually, you know, standing up for the farming community and, and helping to shape policy and everything. But, um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, how you got into this. Obviously, you know, obviously your farmers, arable farming. What, what does that mean for a start? Yeah, so well, so we're arable and livestock farming. So uh, the livestock side of things, obviously, uh, is uh, beef, cattle, sheep, and a few pigs as well. The arable side of things, uh, we grow wheat, barley, some beans as well, and we also grow a lot of grass for silage and hay. So that basically, a lot of that will go for our animal feed. So the barley we then mill to give to the cattle in the winter, and um, the straw. From the barley and the wheat, we also bale up and use as air bedding. And then the grass, uh, we bale the silage and the hay. And again, that will go to feed the animals in the winter. And the wheat, we, uh, we sell that. So we'll, we'll, we'll trade the, the grain and, uh, make, make an income from that. Um, so when you're driving along, um, and you're seeing some of the green fields, some will obviously be in grass and some will be in different types of, uh, crops such as wheat and barge. Northamptonshire is quite a large arable county. We're quite a, a strong milling, um, county. You've got, Haygate, you've also got Whitworths in the county as well. So there, and, and obviously, um, Weetabix as well, who in product as well. So, you know, we, it's quite a, an important industry for Northamptonshire because also we have the correct sort of soil type. Uh, wheat isn't grown all around the country. You know, we, we, 
recognise what is what we're good at in this county, and that is partly because of the topography of the county, um, and also historically Northamptonshire has been built on the leather and the shoe industry. So uh, a lot of reason why there is cattle and sheep in the county is uh, because of the leather trade, um, but also because there is decent pasture land as well. Uh, our farm, for example, we have what what you call ridge and furrow, which is a very uh, traditional, uh, quite historic um, up. Well, look, it's sort of like as it is. It's ridges and furrows. So sometimes you'll see where water collects, and it's it's sort of like an old drainage system, uh, ridge ridge and furrow. Um, but you can't do it when once you've got ridge and furrow, you can't you know plow it up and do something else. That it, it will be historically that will never change. It'll always be grass. So it's very good, obviously, to graze cattle and sheep on. Um, so again, it's. It's quite interesting the the kind of history and uh, the the sort of farming topography across the county um, and the different things we do. Um, <clears throat> sadly, there are only um, about three dairy farmers left in the county, um, and I don't actually know why that is. P- probably partly because dairy dairying is quite a tough industry to make an income from. Um, you know, they always see on the telly about pence per litre and what the farm what you get at the farm gate and it's it's very very little um and i shared a uh, the other day there was a really interesting infographic and it was showing you like it in a cheese like what the farmer gets what the process retailer gets and also the cost on the business in terms of investment and it worked out that a farmer will only get 0.0 two percent profit from uh, uh from a liter of milk um and you think well no wonder there's not many dairy farmers left in this county um and you have to go really niche as well i think uh and a lot of farmers are obviously diversifying as well and i always joke that i am the farm diversification because the farm can't sustain me full time um and so i have gone off and run my own PR and marketing business and now I have diversified again because I really enjoy creating engaging content and uh, interviewing farmers about what they grow and produce and that's what's led me to create the social enterprise no no first meals for busy parents so yeah it's um it's fascinating and every time I interview someone I really learn something new myself and and I'm not originally from a farming background as well. So I suppose I've got a unique gift in the sense that I I wasn't born into farming, but I've learned my or worked my way up. I've created my own career and cut or carved my own career, let's say. And I've married into farming and I've been involved in farming for probably 20 years now. So as a communicator, I kind of try and cut through all the jargon because like most industries, we all talk in certain ways and use certain slogans or sayings. Well, to other people, it's complete nonsense. And so for me, I try and sort of, like like you've just said, actually, I suppose, what, what is arable farming? Well, to to me, I, it's just something that I know. But sometimes when I interview someone, and actually today I was interviewing a potato farmer, and I can't remember what exactly he said, but no, that was it. It was about... um. 
flooding and the the effects that flooding has on a potato farmer. Um, and I said, well, the, the potatoes, it, you know, are they ruined? Uh, do you get insurance for them? If, you know, if you've got a field of potatoes and you can't get on the ground because it's flooded to harvest, so the, no, we don't, we don't get any insurance. I'll get insured when I've harvested the potatoes and they're in my shed in my cold store, but if they're still in the ground and I can't get them out, I just have to write that crop off for the year. Now, if you were to wake up one morning and decide you're going to be a farmer and look at a business plan and be like, you wouldn't do it, would you? <laughs> but and that's what I love about, you know, with what you're doing, but also in, in doing what we're doing with the show, because obviously yeah. we're hearing about things that we take for granted, but we don't actually realise there actually is a business at the end of the day. And yeah. to go into any form of business where you're literally going to lose your product or your service potentially overnight through mother nature wow it's mm. it really is eye-opening so um but yeah you mentioned about the uh, some of the interviews you're doing now let's come on to that next because you actually you're actually running a podcast channel aren't you and you're actually talking to people in the industry and in the sector about what they get up to and and you know what what it means to them yeah absolutely so i've been doing my so my podcast is called the countryside kitchen meets a food and farming podcast and it's available on obviously all of the major streaming platforms um and also i can share links and things with you if you want to use those um to um the podcast came about because i would start doing meet the producer interviews from my blog and you would then find out so much about somebody it'd be really really interesting and I thought I haven't got enough characters in my blog or my social media posts to really capture what this person has told me and I and I just wanted to have a go at podcasting it's like anything it's 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 quite accessible in terms of just being able to pick up a microphone having a zoom account um and 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 just going from there and really I've kind of just over time built up my episodes and I've got a lot more confidence and I've got a little bit of a a, a flow or, or kind of episode plan now so people know what to expect. So, yeah, like you say, I've got really interesting guests, very much farmers, food producers, lovers of food, um, who I interview about what they do, uh, how they got into farming and sort of talk about what the future looks like for them, uh, sharing their personal uh, story, their social links, and then we sort of talk about cookery as well. So, uh, share, sharing recipe ideas and seasonal ingredients. So it's uh, it really has grown, and I've just started to uh, get a bit of corporate sponsorship to help with with the kind of production of that. And uh, I work now with a podcast editor to make it obviously really sing um, and do do as much as I can um, to get downloads to more people to so uh hopefully uh that will continue to grow and i mean i've I've got or oh, i've recorded up to july actually because i only release one a month um at the moment so i've been quite organized um but our recent guests include um grassroots farmers uh so potato farmers dairy farmers beef farmers sheep farmers but i've also started to go into the realms of celebrity um and uh in in it you know public figures let's say so jimmy doherty uh bbc chris bavin who does uh, uh eat well for less uh so he he was quite an interesting guest and then um coming up i've got episodes with lady 
uh, Violet Manners, who's from Beaver Castle, just over the borders. And uh, Olivier Blanc, Raymond Blanc's son. Um, so he was really interesting. Uh, a little bit raunchy, actually. He was quite a, uh, a, an interesting character. <laughs> and, um, and then, uh, I've been buddied up through, I'm a member of the Garden Media Guild and they buddied me up with, uh, Lee Burkhill, who, uh, for those who watch BBC Garden Rescue, he is the Garden Ninja. Ninja. Um, so we've had Lee on my podcast as well. So that's coming out in April. So we're sort of talking more about kitchen gardening and grow, cook, eat type. Um, uh, that, that episode is, which really fits in nicely with some of the work I'm doing with the social enterprise because I'm now a grow, cook, eat ambassador as well, which is uh, a really exciting project that the Northampton Hope Centre are, um, delivering on. Um, so for, for me, that really ticks all the boxes. Yeah, brilliant. I and mean, obviously there's a lot going on there as well. And yeah, it's just great to hear what you do with the podcast as well. Keep it up as well. Cause I know how much it means the, the farming community and, you know, you know, hearing their voice over what they do as well. So yeah, keep it up. It's, it's, it's brilliant what you're doing there. Um, mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit now about what you are doing. So no fuss meals for busy parents, CIC. So social enterprise set up, uh, was it during the pandemic you set it up or the initial? No, no. Well, pandemic, the, yeah. Yeah, the original um, blog was set up during the pandemic, but the actual CIC has only been in existence, well, it'll be, uh, I set up in April 2023, so it's not even a year old yet. Um, so for me, that that came about really um, because I went on a leadership course this time last, so yeah, a, a year ago, and I was at a bit of a crossroads in my career in thinking, well, I'm doing my PR and marketing for other people, but I'm also doing my podcast and doing my blog. I'm creating engaging content on social media and I love it, but it doesn't pay my bills. You know, the PR and marketing stuff, it does, but it, it there's something inside me that it's not, something's not right. And I kind of needed to, um, to take a step back and reflect, but also, put my guard down a bit and get other people to almost pick me apart. And, um, and as a result of that, that really kind of motivated me and made me think, actually I could become a social enterprise. And after, as soon as I got back from the course, I picked up the phone to the Northampton community foundation, got hold of Rachel McGrath and was like, Rachel, what do I do? How do I set up a community interest company? And she's like, Oh, Millie, you just got to do it. You just got to do it. <laughs> and she was like, pointed me some good websites and gave me some really good advice. And from there, I kind of set up on Companies House. I set up uh, what my core values were, my mi- mission, my vision, uh, got all my governance in place, got a bank account sorted. And then I started to apply for some of the, the, the grants available, not only in Northamptonshire, but more around the country. So I've again worked with, I managed to get a grant with the Community Foundation um, to support the uh, Bricks of Food larder. So I basically attended a few larders and they were telling me that people um, were picking up the items that were like microwavable because it had all the instructions on it. It was quick and easy, but actually it wasn't as cost effective as, you know, buying a big sack of rice or a big bag of spuds. But they were saying that people were frightened of picking some of those things up because they didn't either know what to do with them or like the cooking instructions weren't there. So I created a few video tutorials for social media and I also made some, some little recipe cards as well that, which were really simple, not, not, you know, too text heavy and big text as well so that 
people could read it easily. Um, and then another one, I managed to get a grant through the uh, Winset, which is West North Ant Social Enterprise Teams. And that helped to fund an upgrade in my website um, because back when I started the website, it was a free WordPress blog, which was brilliant. But actually, now that there's so much content on there, it's not very user friendly. So I got a grant for that and also to produce a hero video. So that basically sell or says exactly what the CIC does, which in a nutshell, I basically provide a connection between food produced in the UK and how to make tasty meals from scratch. So very much talking about what's in season, interviewing farmers, but then making recipes that are really accessible to your average person and very much specific to parents, um, low-income families who would like to be able to cook from scratch and get away from ultra-processed food. Um, so there's quite a lot in there. And I've got, you know, I'm on a mission. Um, and now that I'm all set up, I'm really um, keen to obviously talk to people who want to work with me for whether that's paid partnerships uh for for social media corporate sponsorship um any uh philanthropists out there that just want to give me some money <laughs> would be amazing um but you know I, i've worked really really hard to get everything all in place and now i've now got the foundations to obviously succeed with the social enterprise and the kind of new uh, part of the overall vision is this year I am building a small cookery school on the farm. So I've just put in my application for West North Ants Council for 50% capital grant match funding um, for a conversion of um, an original part of the farmhouse here into a small workshop where I can offer grow, cook, eat type um, events where four to six people can come and that th- whether or not I get funding to then invite community groups to come free of charge, but also there will be courses and workshops for corporates, whether that's for corporate wellbeing days, um, you know, be a farmer for a day, that type of thing, and really um, get <clears throat> embroiled or, embro- you know, really uh, we're quite we're obviously authentic, we're real, we're credible because we're on a working farm here. Um, so you can go out in a kitchen garden, go and dig up some spuds or, you know, whatever we've got going on um, and then come into the kitchen. We can wash and prepare them and then cook a nice meal using those ingredients. So it's by the end of the year, um, that would be an amazing facility. Um, and again, it will be a dedicated workspace for me to be able to create a lot more of my content as well so that for me is um is really exciting um but again i'm looking for some more grant funding to obviously help with um kitting uh the kitchen out and um and obviously with marketing and you know trying to find opportunities to kind of spread spread the word reach more people because my following is growing and i'm uh, you know trying to listen to what my audience wants uh, i surveyed them just before uh christmas last year and found you know, basically asked, well, what do you want uh, what was really helpful um and that for me again has been really helpful in terms of then when i put my grant applications together i know what people you know what 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 is the need um and how and how am i how am i meeting that need so yeah it's it's quite exciting um so yeah yeah, it certainly sounds exciting. Just been looking at your website, I've been talking. There's loads of recipes on there as well, and I saw some seasonal ingredients. So, just coming towards the end of February, we're still talking Brussels sprouts in February. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Sprouts are not just for Christmas. Um, interestingly, on my podcast, I interviewed uh, quite a major Brussels sprouts producer in Lincolnshire uh, who supply a lot of sprouts into the retailers. Obviously, their busiest time of year is December up until Christmas. Um, but sprouts is something that you can kind of basically treat like a mini cabbage. You can chop them up and use in a stir fry. I can see so <laughs> Simon shaking his head. <laughs> You're obviously not a lover of sprouts. I'm not, no, sorry. <laughs> that, that they exist for those that like them, and I'm not one of those that likes them. But each yeah. of their own, you know, if you yeah, want to eat sprouts, yeah. eat sprouts. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've still got a few sprouts in the garden at the moment, but because of the temperature change, we've had hot, then cold, hot, then cold. A lot of my brassicas have actually, uh, they've gone a bit, you know, mouldy and horrible. So I'm a bit disappointed in that. But then I'm not growing them on a commercial scale like like a lot of other people are. Um and you, I mean, you can freeze sprouts and you can use them all year and you can buy a, yeah, you can kind of grow them, bung them in your freezer and then use as much as, as you need. And, and for me, frozen veg is a real hero as well. Um, and it's a really cost effective way of feeding your family. Um, and peas as well. Last year, I spent some time on a pea viner again in Lincolnshire. Lincolnshire is a very, big vegetable county we do in northamptonshire we do grow vegetables but lincolnshire i mean the fields are absolutely ginormous and obviously a lot flatter um so lends itself a lot uh better to to vegetable growing but again i appreciated um the challenges the pea farmers face and it's again a very short window from harvest it's something like uh, a pea has to get to the factory out well, off the ground and into frozen in the factory in around 90 minutes otherwise you start to lose the um uh nutritional content so it, it's it's they have to be grown in a relatively short distance from the factory or you have to have freezing facilities as soon as they come out out of the harvester so you know you're on a day and night they are being harvested um between july and is it no maybe between june and september peas are harvested so it's and it's really slow you go on a pea they're absolutely ginormous machines but they're so slow they're so gentle how they kind of whirl around and and they obviously tickle the peas almost into the back because you don't want to bruise them or squash them and again there's certain varieties of peas that go into your you know your, your garden peas your frozen peas but then also you've got your marifat you've also got the ones that you then find in pies and then like dog food as well so there's different grades depending on you know and to me that's fascinating as well um so yeah sorry i could talk for a long time because um there's so much um that i'm i suppose covering and I'm just hopeful that as I grow the CIC that I'll be able to bring on a few more people to help me with some of the general administration of the CIC so that I can go out and be more creative because at the moment, like I said, it's all it's all ran on a shoestring at the moment. Um but yeah, it's all exciting. 
Yeah, brilliant. And there's, there you go. There's some useless, not useless. What one about useful information? I should have said then useful information about peas because it's not yeah. often we join, join in for a business show and we're talking about peas and, and um, <laughs> Brussels sprouts. But um, obviously, we're talking with Millie Five here and uh, talking about no fuss meals for busy parents. Just had another look through the uh, some of the recipes you've got on there. You've also got uh, a nice pig in blanket. I do get do need to get around to making one of those. I can assure you. Yes. But, um, how can people find out more about your website, Millie? Is there um, the website address you can give out? Yeah, so it's uh, nofussmealswithbusyparents.com. Um, so there is lots of information. So there's recipe ideas, again, seasonal ingredients. There's the whole meat, the producer section. The podcast is also sits on the website as well. And then um, you can get in touch as well. So you can um, email me, hello at millie5.com and... I'm on social media, so Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. I've also just uh, put the podcast onto YouTube as well. So there's a few things uh, on on YouTube now. Um, so that's Millie Fife Official. Um, I've got a couple of accounts um, that you can find me on too. But I'd love to hear from you. Give me a follow. Um, it's really nice to get feedback as well so that I know that there are people out there that are finding things useful and uh, keeps me spurred on and motivated and funnily enough I was creating a video today with a how-to tutorial um, and I, I put a blooper on um, on Instagram <laughs> because it was kind of like that Instagram versus reality and I just showed I made a pie and I tipped it up to show it to the camera and as I tipped it up the sauce peddled out on the floor <laughs> I know exactly, but that's a thing. I want to stay authentic as a as a grow. I don't want you know you you see other things and you think, wow, I'd love to be like that. But actually, do I really want to be like that? I want I want I want to keep it real because you know I want people to relate to me. I want to find it helpful, and that's you know that's why it is a social enterprise and supporting the community, whether it's a farming community, but also for low-income families as well. So, um, you know, it's there for everyone, really, um, because you'll all find inspiration somewhere. Um, And also, uh, one of the other things, I also have an email newsletter that I send out once a month sort of with little snippets of, you know, what what, what we've been up to with the CIC. So, again, if you want to sign up to that, then um, I'd be very happy to add you to that. You know, and you could get to hear, you only hear from me once a month, so I don't pester people too much. (laughs) Yeah, brilliant. So the website, nofussmealsforbusyparents.com. If you go to the contact page on Millie's website, you can see there's ways to, to get in contact with her and follow her on social media. Um, we have got a bit of music lined up for you in a second. We'll come to that one in a minute. But um, before we do, uh, it's got literally a couple of minutes before we finish. We've got um, some, well, you had some an interesting start to the year on the back of last year's success. Do you want to just um, talk to the listeners all about uh, your news you had at the beginning of the year? Yeah, absolutely. So late last year, um, I was very fortunate to have been awarded Northamptonshire Business Person of the Year and Best New Startup through NMBN Awards. Um, also through Northamptonshire Food and Drink Awards, I was um, awarded a silver local food hero category. So chuffed about that. And then at the start of the year, like you say, Simon, um, I was recognised by Small Business Britain through the F entrepreneur uh, sort of part of Small Business Britain um, as one of the 
top 100 UK female entrepreneurs for 2024. So, um, it's it's amazing um to be a part of that network and although we're only sort of a, a couple of months in the networking online the webinars um have been incredible and they they're really thoughtful about how they put people together and we had it was brilliant they had a, they had a webinar and it was like a networking evening um all on zoom but anyone who registered they said oh do you drink you know do you drink what and you you put yes or non-alcoholic they sent you a bottle of wine in the post so there we were like all on screen and then we were all there drinking our wine and i was like well how nice to get something exciting in the post like that um and feel a lot more kind of involved and then um for international women's day which is coming up we've all been invited to the house of lords um for a uh, networking reception uh so that will be really special and i think there's just going to be lots of different opportunities throughout the year and that some of the people I've already met, um, which obviously trying to help each other, but have been offered some pro bono um, support. Um, and I've been sort of, yeah, given giving people a little bit of help and support with their PR and marketing and things like that as well. So, yeah, it's it sort of, you know, you all scratch each other's backs, don't you, and, and, and help one another. And I think um, it's a really powerful network. So, um ask me in a year's time what it what it's meant to me and <laughs> i'll be able to give you a, a more uh, in-depth answer but uh, it's yeah it, it's it's been incredible to already have that kind of boost at the start of the year um and yeah there's i'm sure there's lots more to come so what we'll do let's put a date in the diary for later on in the year we'll find out how 2024 has been for you but millie listen it's been brilliant to talk to you um I did ask you before you came on air to find out what uh, music you'd like and uh, if there's a song we can play for you. And I've got Alicia Keys with New York. Any particular reason behind this? <laughs> well, my husband and I went to America, uh, oh gosh, what, uh, 2015, uh, cause that's what, no, 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 it was earlier than that because we got married in 2015. So, he proposed to me in New York and we had Alicia Keys, um, New York as our first dance, um, because of that. So yeah, so that's, that's why I've chosen that song. Brilliant. Well, this has been absolutely fantastic to talk to you. Thanks for joining us today. And, uh, yeah, keep up the good work. And this is your song. This is New York by Alicia Keys.
a melting pot on the corner selling rock preachers pray to God and the gypsy cat takes me down from Harlem to the Brooklyn bridge someone sleeps tonight with a hunger for more than an empty N live.
I'll certainly put it out the classics for this show, aren't I? We've had the Black Eyed Peas, we've had Shalimar, and that was Stevie Wonder with Sir Duke, a song I have not heard for a long time, but let me tell you what I was doing while I was listening to that. Of course, I was on my phone, Googling the words, having a little sing-song to myself, and uh, thoroughly enjoyed that as well. Not that I had the microphone up, otherwise you certainly wouldn't be listening to me anymore. But you are listening, you're still with me, and that's because I've got some great guests still to come on the show tonight. So before I do introduce my third guest, uh, let me just remind you of Friday the 8th of March. Now, why am I doing this? That's because it's International Women's Day, and there's two events taking place in the county, which I think you need to know about. Firstly, celebrating female entrepreneurship at Metro Bank. Uh, in Abington Street in Northampton from 8.30 to 10am you've got uh, an opportunity to go business networking at Metro Bank and uh, do have a look if you want to uh, have a look at nnbn.co.uk go to the free resources section you'll find all the networking events there you can book in from our website as well we're good like that we like to share the love when it comes to the business networks but go to our website nnbn.co.uk slash events scroll down you'll see friday 8th of march metro bank business network in northampton it's 8 30 a.m to 10 a.m so do book in for that one and on the other side of the county, up in Kettering, we've got uh, the uh, Northamptonshire Chamber of Commerce are running the Northamptonshire Business Exhibition. Now, we know that this is a fantastic event. I know it's a fantastic event as well. I've been there for the last couple of years. It's been brilliant to be able to be engaged, be involved in the exhibition and help to you know, help to get people there as well. And uh, delighted that I'm going to be there again this year, talking to local businesses and engaging with people. We're also going to be running the Lunchtime Networking with the uh, Chamber of Commerce, who we, we partnered with on the event. And we should expect about 100 people coming to that networking event. So it's going to be a fabulous occasion, as always, as is the actual exhibition itself. We'll have local businesses there. Uh, we'll have uh, something for you to learn, something for you to, I don't know, pick up a new supplier, a new customer maybe, maybe catch up with people you haven't seen for a while. So do come along. Again, if you want to know further information, there's two places you can go. You can go to nnbn.co.uk and then go to the free resources and then click on the business networking tab and that will show you where the exhibition details are there. Or go straight to the Northamptonshire Chamber of Commerce website and have a look for the business exhibition because... Uh, 
you, you got to book in. It's going to be a, a fabulous event. Um, so that's northhance-chamber.co.uk. Or the other thing you could do is if you're on LinkedIn, go and have a search for Northamptonshire Business Exhibition that's the place to also find out what's going on so hopefully we'll see you on friday the 8th of march at wixty park i'll certainly be there if not pop along to metro bank for the 8 30 a.m uh, business networking i've got my next guest with me who's lined up ready to go but before we do we're gonna just have a little bit more music just get you in the mood before uh, i introduce my next guest this evening NLive's Community Notice Board, sponsored by Voluntary Impact Northamptonshire, supporting existing and helping to launch good neighbour schemes across Northampton. Home Start Northampton supports families with young children. They provide expert support helping families through their challenging times. Home Start is there for parents when they need them the most because childhood can't wait. Volunteers offer support, friendship and practical help to families under stress in their own homes, preventing family crisis and breakdown. If you are a parent grandparent or step-parent with experience of young children and family life and are able to visit a Northampton family for two to three hours each week then get in contact call them on 01604 627 692 NLive's Community Notice Board sponsored by Voluntary Impact Northamptonshire supporting existing and helping to launch good neighbour schemes across Northampton to get your message on air email noticeboard at nliveradio.com 106.9 NLive At NNBN, we support local businesses, charities and organisations. We bring local people together. We promote growth and success and we support our members. NNBN has a proven track record in helping members of our community get seen and be heard. It costs from just £20 a month to become a member and you'll benefit from advertising, events, engagement, support and money-saving discounts. If you're a local business, charity or organisation, join us today at nnbn.co.uk. Hey you, Yes, you there. Are you listening to this? Well, if you're listening, so are potential customers to your shop, business or service. Advertising on NLive is easy and good value. It's a great way to reach new customers, let them know about who you are and what you do. And radio advertising works. Radio has the power to entertain, educate and engage an audience. And with advertising on NLive, that same audience could become your customers. For more information, contact sales at nliveradio.com. When business owners, directors and key decision makers want to know what's happening in Northamptonshire, they turn to Business Times. Over 10,000 copies are delivered every month and the pages are filled with positive local business stories. Respected, trusted and always relevant. Business Times is the perfect way to get your business in front of the people that matter. So get Business Times working for you. Click business-times.co.uk Business Times. Positive about business in North Hands. Online and 106.9. Connecting Northampton. Cause I can be such a 
A couple of weeks ago at the uh, Your Business Exhibition at Cywell uh, Aerodrome, the, um, the SME business survey results were announced by uh, a couple of members of the local business community. And uh, I'm joined today by Greg Guilford, who's the CEO of HR Solutions, who's come to talk to us all about the report. So, Greg, welcome. Thanks, Simon. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Um, firstly, what a great exhibition. Yeah, great to, to have people come together and uh, engage across Northamptonshire and the wider area. So um, good to see the survey results being announced as well. So um, before we sort of go on to the survey, though, do you want to talk a little bit about who are HR Solutions and, and what you do within the business? Yeah, so I'm the CEO of HR Solutions. We're HR consultancy based in Kettering. Um, pretty much our core activity is supporting SME businesses across the county, uh, typically where they don't have a HR person in the team or just need to lean on some expertise for trickier situations, but also in recruitment or payable services as well. We've been going for 21 years, so we kind of understand the challenges that SMEs have. Um, because we've been supporting them through through those for the last twenty odd years, um, but but um, our SME survey that we've been running, we've been doing for four years, some more data across uh, SMEs that are not just our clients, um, but from the whole SME business community, just just really for us to then look at what the challenges are over the coming years, and and really whether they're a client or not, give them some signposts that they can uh, take take on board and hopefully uh, weather the storms that come or, or rise to challenges that are presented in front of them. And, it, you know, the, the survey isn't isn't just about HR. There is obviously a thread in that because of the nature of what we do, but we talk about finance, we talk about business development, we talk about all the other challenges around that, you know, so the survey has been running for some time. So at the heart of it, there would have been COVID and the pandemic and everything that went with that, uh, that we talked about, which, you know, had some elements of HR, but broadly it was about businesses trying to survive, um, and whether the storm, um, 
what we then tend to do is is pull those out into webinars as well. So the survey is is pretty much the first step in that process where we've given some recommendations and we are we'll be running some some more detailed uh, webinars with our partners on finance and marketing. We just um, haven't got those set up yet, but once we do, we'll announce that and hope to see you and everyone else there. Yeah, fantastic. And um, you mentioned the survey's been going four years. Obviously, you kicked it off when the pandemic was literally just kicking off, I suppose, when all the lockdown measures were coming in. Uh, and was that really to sort of gauge how things were going to go throughout COVID? And obviously, it's grown into what it is today. Uh, yeah, I think we started it just before uh, COVID, actually. So when we first run the survey, I think we did it in the November and then the COVID happened in the March. So the first one, it wasn't in um because and no, and it just shows no one plan, no one could predict it, right? But yeah, the second and third one definitely. Uh, COVID and the pandemic was a was a key part of those challenges, um, and, and probably a little bit now because you know all, all the kind of bounce back loans and Siebel's loans that people have are really kind of started starting to impact on people's ability to recover because obviously they've got to pay them back. Uh, obviously, there is a, additional options and loans out there, but. Um, you know, if, if people didn't use that money to kind of grow and they just used it to survive, then, you know, it's just additional cost to the business that they've got to try and pay now. So, so the themes still yeah. come, come through, but now, now they're talking about recessions and cost of living crisis. So, you know, I mean, the, the survey has lots of positives in it, but there is still some undercurrent now around people needing to manage costs, um, in order to kind of grow. Yeah, and on the back of the, the uh, recession announcement a couple of weeks ago, well, actually last week, wasn't it? It was a case of, um, you know, it's, obviously this data is going to give us a, a picture of what it looks like. But um, with this being an annual survey, I suppose you're not going to really see the impact of what the recession may be causing until this time next year when the next survey comes out. You're not going to do another one sort of six months' time or anything, are you? That's not our plan, no. We tend to just do them annually. Um, I mean, a lot, a lot of work goes into it, um, but... I think it just helps us keep that that theme going. You, I think the first one we did, you know, we kind of didn't really know where it was going to go. And I think we've just evolved those questions really to try and uh, anticipate what might happen in the coming years. And, and, you know, it's not just about asking for feedback, it's asking for their insight as well. So what do they think is going to, going to happen over the next year? And, um, you know, we don't have a crystal ball and nor do they, but at least we, we kind of understand what everyone is thinking. And if we're all thinking the same thing, then, then broadly it's likely to happen, right? So, um, we can put those kind of recommendations in, in place to help, help overcome that. So I think some of the, you know, it's 52% think that a recession and cost of living is going to be their major challenge in, in 2024. That, that might be, some people expect in a recession, but they're not expecting it to actually impact them because they're kind of maybe a bit more robust and a bit more mature in their in their organisation. Uh, but some of the kind of new startup businesses probably haven't had that time to build up the cash reserves that they might need to weather some of some of that activity. So um, it's really interesting to kind of see the different themes that come through. Uh, and, and you, know, some some people will see it as a challenge, and some people will see it as an opportunity. So absolutely, and I'm glad you mentioned opportunity. 
during recession because a lot of people cut back on their marketing during recessions as an expense but at the end of the day it's a day you should up it if anything and uh, it's interesting because uh, I've got the report in front of me and I actually opened it up onto that page around the uh, 52% of SMEs identified recession cost of living as their biggest challenge for 2024 um, and there's some great recommendations that you, you've put forward to sort of counteracting the challenges um, so you've got adaptive budgeting um, you know outsourcing operations financial support and partnerships employee skill development and employee retention and development were these sort of the these sort of the answers and sort of the responses you were getting from local businesses yeah so i mean i'm sure we appreciate with any survey there'll be some people that uh just answer the questions as they are and don't provide additional uh commentary but then there are some some that do so not not everybody kind of uh added that commentary but um yeah there was a lot of uh, themes that came through in terms of how people felt that they were going to um, tackle all the sort of recession that, that may or may not come. The um, and, But then we kind of leaned on our experience as well in terms of working with SMEs in terms of how we've, how we've done it, um, as well as talk to some other partners um, when we're writing the report in terms of key themes that, that they would recommend. Um, we've been doing it a long time. We're, we're an SME ourselves and, you know, we've kind of been in the same shoes as, as the, the the readers, basically. Um, and these are the things we've done in the past as well as, um, as well as our clients. Yeah. And the, the, the financial challenges you mentioned about the bounce back loans, you're quite right. I mean, businesses are still paying them back. Now we've got the R word being thrown around and challenges uh, that that's going to bring as well. But um, talking about some of the financial challenges, I mean, the reports identifying 50% or sorry, 56% of SMEs identified managing and controlling costs as their biggest financial challenge. That's quite a worry, I think, actually, if you look at it, you know, over half of the businesses that came back to you are saying that because surely cost is something that people can control to a certain level. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's a real mixed audience in terms of uh, who completed the surveys, but but particularly those who are importing are still seeing the the impacts of Brexit and the cost of goods that are coming in. Um, those those um, those respondents who who have a lot of uh, employees, so professional services, you know, the biggest cost to them is their is their people. Well, you know, cost of living crisis has has, has resulted in people uh, offering inflation beating uh, pay rises, which. Uh, whilst a great thing to do may not be sustainable if you're not increasing those costs to your clients. Um, so, so that's kind of, I think, where some of these costs are coming from. So yes, you might be able to understand them, but if you need 10 people to do something, you need 10 people to do something. So you need to factor in how you're going to deliver that and, and what you pay those people. Um, and I think that's some of the biggest challenges you, I guess as SMEs, you don't always want to just keep impre- increasing your prices to 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 I guess survive because you want to. I, th- I think the SME community is more supportive of each other. Like they're in the same boat. If we put our prices up, you put your prices up, and I think everyone is a bit more trying to trying to help each other. Um, but but at the same time, there's only certain so much you can do in those scenarios, isn't there? So you know if the cost of paper going up, if the cost of energy keeps going up, at some point there is a, a gap that needs to be bridged. Um, the themes that were coming through is how do we do that um, without, uh, I guess, damaging the business? And that might be, you know, not paying staff wages uh, or, or not giving them pay rises uh, or, or passing on our costs to our clients. And that's, I think, the, the conundrum is is 
yes, it makes sense. The cost went up by 10%, put our prices up by 10%. Well, you might lose 10% of your clients by doing that. So it's a fine balance, isn't it? 42% uh, see bringing in new business as a challenge, emphasising the need for growth and market expansion. But these challenges mirror those of the 2023 survey. So, yeah, that's kind of run in line with the previous year, hasn't it? Yeah, um, I think I think we have had a couple of challenging years and you know some, some of that managing costs that you just talked about might be that you're not spending on marketing, as you mentioned, and... Um, if you're not spending your marketing, then you're unlikely to be out there winning new business. So I think some of those themes do, do follow through. Um, you know, I think, I think what we're, we're kind of saying in the survey really is don't cut back on marketing, but make sure you understand why you're spending it and where you're spending it to make sure you're getting a return on investment. And I, I think sometimes as small business owners, we kind of, uh, we all react quickly sometimes without having a strategic plan. You know, um, you know, oh well, let's spend five grand on on this marketing campaign, but we haven't really mapped out what we want that campaign to do, or what we what makes we should get one client and it's five grand. Is that a good campaign? Or if you get fifty grand from that one campaign, is that is that the success measure? Um, and don't be wrong, there'll be many many SMEs out there who who do all of those things. Um, and I think I think there will be. Um, a small, a small part of that community, though, that will spend five grand and not really know why they're spending five grand. Um, and, and what type of client they want, you know, so those business, that new business is, do you want one client who's going to give you a grand a year or one client that's going to give you 10 grand a year, you know, and if you want more of the 10 grand a year, you need a plan as to where they're hanging out, you know, and talk about buyer personas. Well, are they at networking events? Are they, uh, working in, um, you know, shared office spaces, you know, so you would target target them differently rather than having one campaign to fit all. And I think that's some of the challenges, I think, that follow through that some businesses don't really know how to do that. We hear it as well all the time as well. And I think sometimes, you know, people do cut back because they don't necessarily measure that return on investment on their marketing and advertising. In a minute, we'll come on to people management because we're intrigued around that. But um, let's just talk through that marketing and advertising. Because you partnered with um, Pulse Group Media and Cube to, to, to pull this information together and get the report out there and everything. And um, there were some interesting uh, recommendations that came out on, on the uh, marketing and advertising around sort of content planning. AI is obviously going to be quite a big part of the future, providing it's managed and it's uh, it's uh, going to give us the right results. Uh, measure and evaluate marketing budgets and strategy before tactics. And it was interesting that 82% of SMEs scored their digital presence moderate or worse, which I was quite yeah. surprised at. Well, I think that they're probably being honest with themselves that, you know, you know, there's some people out there will just put as many LinkedIn posts out there as they can and, and, and not necessarily know why. Um, and you know, who, who are they trying to engage with? So I think that's kind of where the themes really came through was, yes, the Monday morning LinkedIn post might get you a view, but it might not get you a client. So it's more about, um, what is the purpose of it? Understanding what you want to do, but also make that engaging. So, you know, is it, is a word, a word LinkedIn post going to be attract more engagement than one with a, a video or image or, or whatever? Um, so I think, I think that's where people are honest, being a bit honest with themselves in that. Yeah. It was a bit naff or I've found a GIF that I've just reposted rather than a kind of branded version of the GIF, you know, that kind of stuff. 
Now, you guys are specialists in HR and uh, working with people and helping your clients to advise them around people management. Um, 52% of SMEs are focusing on employee retention. Now, did that surprise you, that figure? And I think I think because we've seen it over the last year ourselves and um, we're working in our space, we, we kind of know that the recruitment market is tough. So pe- the people are moving around um, a lot at the moment. So that, that is putting pressures on, on, on SMEs in terms of trying to backfill. So, you know, spending five grand trying to hire uh, a, a new, I don't know, HR manager, um, you might, you might have put a bet, you know, spent two grand on an employee retention initiative that kept the HR manager instead. So I think, I think it's a real challenge at the moment where, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity out there in the market for the right people. Um, and particularly last year, I think it's slowing down a bit this year. A lot of people were moving jobs, um, because there was, you know, with, with the kind of inflation pay rises. If, if your organization wasn't doing it, pay, pay, there was a pay gap for the same role. So you can move to a new organization for broadly the same role and might get, you know, five grand more, 10 grand more. So, so there was a lot of people moving. Uh, but then that puts the challenge on the backfill. So that person who, you know, might have been on a 40 grand a year job, you didn't want to give them the five grand to keep them. They've gone for 50, but then you'll put, pay five grand to, find their replacement and broadly you probably end up pay a little bit more than you were before because the market's moved and I think I think that's the key thing and it's it's not only a money thing it's a lot of time recruiting people and I think uh, in the current space I think the energy is better spent on you know business development growing your business um, and making it secure and, and I think that's really some of the themes that come through uh, in the survey is that retention is, you know, you've got good people, let's keep them. It's not about just letting them go and backfilling. Um, I think, I think particularly in SMEs and you see it in large organizations too, but a, a culture in, a, in an SME is much easier to, to foster than it is in a large organization. And I think building that culture will keep those people as much as, uh, giving them a bigger pay rise. Yeah, it's kind of um, the training, you know, reinventing the wheel sometimes with people as well, isn't it? Where you get someone new coming in, they've got to do the inductions, they've got to go back round in circles rather than actually trying to focus on retention. And I was talking to a company last week, actually, and they were saying to me that they, they've got like a retention scheme in place, a bonus scheme to actually keep people to to, to the business, which I thought was a great idea to, to actually try and keep um, them retained rather than keep them going round on the, uh, you know, the uh, recruitment merry-go-round, which is out there. Uh, lots of different strategies, you know, a retention scheme you know sometimes it's a bonus that you only get if you're still not on notice and obviously it's linked to some kind of performance but others might tie it in with continuous professional development you know tie them in with maybe training contracts um you know there's only so much pay rises you can give it give someone before actually they may be above the bands that you 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 think they're worth um so i think businesses need to think about um you know, a better way to offer a complete package in terms of rims and bends. Um, and what, what are you trying to do? You know, what do you want to reward people for? So, so I would encourage people to think about, you know, you know, just because you're in HR doesn't mean you couldn't have a bonus scheme linked to company performance, for example, but everyone might have a share of the same pot. You know, it doesn't have to be reliant on just the salespeople because there might, might be different schemes, but broadly everyone's 
there to make the company a great place to work and a, and a great um, service or product to provide to a client. This is something that HR solutions can actually help advise clients on and potential clients on around these sort of schemes and things like that and setting those up? Yeah, so the way we would work is we kind of work with our clients on a strategic plan. So um, particularly when they're on a retainer with us, we work, we work through a, um, understanding what their business challenges are and, we, and where they want to go, and we will bespoke those um, solutions for them. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong, not everyone wants to you know, take their family business to be a multinational. You know, some people just want to be a, provide a great place to work, right? So um, w- we will work with the client depending on whatever they want to do as their objectives and put suggestions for them to, to consider that would help them um, achieve those um, goals that they're aiming to achieve, basically. They don't know what they want, so we'll talk through talk through well these are some initiatives that you might want to consider you know if you've got a high employee turnover then why and and is it something that's if if it's pay that's largely an easier conversation to have as long as it's affordable if it's uh culture if it's uh other benefits then we can talk through all of those with them um and sometimes it's just they want to have a bit more social. Um, talking to questions as well, Greg, right at the back of the report, you've got 10 questions that SMEs should ask themselves in 2024. Now, these are based on the insights of the SME business survey that's been produced and you know fantastically pulled together as well. Do you want to talk through those sort of 10 questions that, um, that have uh, been identified? Yeah, so we've kind of worked through, obviously, throughout the different sections of the report, we've tried to create um, some recommendations that we, that we think, think everyone should consider depending on the different challenges that they see themselves facing. But these questions are really sort of probing questions for them to maybe sit down, run through it, and jot them down. And so these questions are really to get people to think about, uh, honestly, whether there is financial resilience in their business. Are they using technology efficiently? Um, you know, What do they want to do in terms of market expansion and growth? Are they compliant with uh, legislation, whether that's HR, health and safety, you know, even financial uh, regulations? Are, are they kind of covered that off? Um, could they improve on their operational efficiency? One of the key things for this survey and certainly the expo was about um, cybersecurity and AI, you know, explore it, play with it. You know, are, are you aware of it? If not, spend some time on it, Look, understand it. It might not be right for your business, but it might save you 10% of your day, um, depending on, on, on what you're doing. Um, and then, you know, to strategic outsourcing, people just think about it. We're not saying everybody go do it, but if it's, if you haven't explored it, you don't know whether it's right or wrong for you. So just to sit down, think about, well, what can I do? Would I benefit from uh, bringing in an expert to help me do this, even if it's for a short-term thing? Um, so re- really just to try and get the SMEs to sort of use these questions, a bit of soul-searching. If they're relevant for them, then great. If they took something from this report and only one thing, then I would take that as a win. If people take take the report and like take all the recommendations and ask all those questions in their business grows tenfold even better but it was it was more about just trying to get to get SMEs to try and think about stuff look at the future um and hopefully we'll see all the SMEs particularly around Northamptonshire thrive and grow
Ultimately, that's what we all want. And um, I'm assuming there'll be a 2025 report for uh, later on in the year, sort of for early part of next year, well, that will come out. Yeah, we typically launch it uh, back end of October, throughout November. Um, use December to write the report with a publish in, in January. Um, that That's kind of the pattern we've been following. I think it, it kind of works well. I think a lot of people do, do a bit of soul-searching over the Christmas period normally anyway and come come out in the new year with a plan for the year. And that's kind of really why we try and time it around that to kind of uh, support with that business thinking going into the new the new calendar year. Well, we'll happily um, share it when the information's out to help push that and try and get people to engage in the uh, next year's report like we did do with uh, with this one. Um, so, yeah, I mean, keep us up to date. We'll happily you know, share that around our database and around the local community and across the social media to try and get those further insights and reports. Um, talking of the report, when can people actually get access to the results themselves if they wanted? Is it on your website at all? They can download it at all or is it available as a hard copy? Uh, we do have some hard copies, uh, but it is available online as well. Um, so if you sort of Googled HR Solutions SME Business Survey, that's probably the easiest way than just trying to type in the, the web address. Um, and, and, and the keyword will take you to that page. If not, if you can't find it, it is on the HR Solutions website, which is www.hrsolutions-uk.com. Brilliant. Well, Greg, thanks ever so much for joining us. It's great to be able to catch up and talk through the survey. And as I said, uh, it was uh, interesting results that have come out of it. And you'd be interested to see what it looks like this time next year. But uh, well done on pulling it together. And uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no, it was great. Um, and our reach was uh, greatly improved with our partners from Cube and Pulse Group Media as well. Um, so thank you to them as well.
That's the chain and Fleetwood Mac, and great song that. And it always reminds me of the F1, of course, and uh, motorsport. Of course, what great news we've had recently with the 10-year extension of the Grand Prix uh, taking place at Silverstone. It means so much to people in the county. It means so much to people here, local businesses, local people, and uh, the tourism sector, The you know, those that the hotels, the restaurants, of course, just people that follow the sport as well. So great news. And, of course, uh, well done to everybody involved in securing that for another 10 years at Silverstone. Now, it has been um, the second show I've done here on in Live Radio on the Open for Business show. And uh, thank you for all the positive f- feedback from the previous show. It's been uh, been lovely, actually. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you to Martin, of course, for his continued support. He's the one that stitches all my show together for me and uh, pulls it all together. But, uh, of course, thank you to Adrian Price as well for enabling me to, to sit in for him once a month. But uh, some quick recap of the show today. Uh, you know, we heard from Palm Van Gogh about his journey in business, about what he's now doing in mentoring and coaching other business owners to maybe repeat the success that he's achieved. We also heard from Millie Fife talking about the Food and Drink Centre, uh, her success this year with the um, F uh, F Entrepreneur uh, announcement that she made in January, which is a great accolade for her to to be recognised with. And, of course, her success at last year's NMBN Awards as well was great. And then we heard from Greg Hilford talking to us all about the uh, the latest report for the SME business survey that uh, HR Solutions have pulled together as well. So all that combined with some great music as well. I love the Black Eyed Peas. Always got me in the in the mood. Um, kicking off the show uh, today, we had uh, also Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls. I'm trying to recap now. <laughs> we had Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls. I always enjoy that song as well. Uh, Millie um, asked if I could uh, play a bit of music. We had New York uh, by Alicia Keys, which uh, having just come back from the city at the end of uh, last year, yeah, it was great to, it was great to hear that through the headphones. Uh, so Duke by uh, Stevie Wonder. And then I Can Make You Feel Good by Shalimar. And, of course, then we finished up with The Chain by Fleetwood Mac. So quite a varied selection. Some great um, music there being played. And, of course, if you want to appear here on the radio show, please do get in contact with me. You can contact me, hello, at nmbn.co.uk or contact us via the NLive Radio website, which is nliveradio.com. Go to the contact page, fill in the form, and uh, you can keep in contact with us that way. Also, don't forget, you can listen back to any of the shows as well by going to the uh, website and clicking on the play back option and please do please do engage with us here on social media as well because uh, we love a bit of engagement here on the uh, the radios um, radio stations uh, social media channels but for now thanks for joining me thanks for uh, choosing to spend the time with me here on tuesday night and uh, i shall catch up with you all soon adrian will be back next week northampton zone 106.9 n live From the Sky News Centre at nine, a former chair of the post office says he's been the victim of a smear campaign since his fallout with the business secretary. Henry Staunton stood by claims he was told to stall compensation claims for victims of the Horizon scandal until after the election. Current chief executive Nick Reid has denied this and business secretary Kemi Badenoch has called the accusations entirely fictitious. But the man himself is firmly standing by his side of the story. So you stand by absolutely what you've said in public about the message you received from a senior civil servant that compensation payments should be slowed down to minimise the financial liability. Yes, I do. The former Conservative MP Scott Benton's been suspended from the House of Commons for 35 days. That means a recall petition, and if he loses it, there will be another by-election.
A Hamas official says the group is yet to receive a formal ceasefire proposal, despite claims from the US president that the deal is imminent. An Israeli government spokesperson says any agreement would still require Hamas to drop what they called outlandish demands in another orbit. Displaced Gazan Nizren Shananan says the situation there is dire. There is no flour, no gas, no wood for burning. I send my daughter in the morning to stand in the queue at the bakery to get a bundle of bread. Sometimes she comes home without anything, so the children don't have bread. Thomas Kingston, the son-in-law of the Prince and Princess Michael of Kent, has died. But we're told that's not the reason why Prince William earlier pulled out of a remembrance event for his late godfather. Ex-border watchdog David Nils told MPs the way he was fired on a team's call showed absolutely shocking leadership. The Home Secretary lost faith in him following a row he had with the Home Office about airport security checks. And Erling Haaland's hat-trick has put holders Manchester City 3-1 up in their FA Cup fifth-round tie at Luton. Newcastle against Blackburn is goalless, as is Bournemouth versus Leicester. Ross County are 1-0 up at home to St Mirren in the Scottish Premiership. That's the latest. I'm Chris Milligan.